0: our father in heaven we thank you that you have given us the garden to to help us learn and understand about you and your ways and how we can cooperate with you i pray that you would bless as we learn now in jesus name Amen. okay in in genesis 128 It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And in Genesis 2.5, it says, and there was no man to work or till the ground. And in Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it or till it and keep it. Okay, when I, when I started farming, um, I, I started spending a lot of time in my thoughts back in, in those first chapters of Genesis. And one thing that came to me was, what's going on here? Subdue it, work it, or till it, and keep it. This is, this is a perfect home, right? This is before sin. What is going on? Why, why is there this command to subdue and to work and, and keep until when we're in a perfect environment? There's no sin. Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> um, to me, it, it seems that, 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 that that's telling me that there was something more that needed to be done, right? And um, what, what could that be? Uh, we were created in God's image. And just as God created, um, just as God in, in his sphere, remember we talked about God's sphere? God's sphere is the whole universe, Right? And we were created in his image to have dominion in our sphere, which is the earth. Yeah. So, um, but just as God in his sphere, when he was creating the earth, he created it out of chaos. Right? So he wants us in our sphere to do the same thing. And um, there's a verse, uh, a couple paragraphs in education that I think um, gives some light on this, page 214 and 215. In our labor, we are to be workers together with God. He gives us the earth and its treasures, but we must adapt them to our use and comfort he causes the trees to grow but we prepare the timber and build the house he has hidden in the earth the gold and silver the iron and coal but it is only through toil that we can obtain them show that while god has created and constantly controls all things he has endowed us with a power not wholly unlike his in his image right to us has been given a degree of control over the forces of nature as God called forth the earth in its beauty out of chaos so we can bring order and beauty out of confusion and though all things are now marred with evil yet in our completed work we feel a joy akin to his when looking at the fair earth he pronounced it very good. I believe that the work that God gave us to do as human beings before the fall and after the fall remained the same. Um, we, were, we were to manage the garden and the natural world for good fruit. We were to manage them for, for fruitfulness, for the production of, of, of fruit. Um, As we talked earlier, this this requires relationships, it requires um, labor, and it requires creativity and imagination. So what happened in the fall? Um, Just as man rebelled against God's dominion, remember God created us to have dominion, but in his image. So he has dominion in his sphere, and we have dominion in our sphere. And um, as we, in our sphere, rebelled against God's dominion, then God had given us the, the plants and the, and the animals. That was our sphere to have dominion over. And God put that sphere in rebellion against us. Does that make sense? So he's, he's giving us our medicine. He's letting us taste what we're doing. Okay? And in Hebrews 12, it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But it doesn't do that to everyone. It says it does does that to those who have been trained by it. Okay? So we have to take God's discipline, and we have to submit ourselves to it. And we have to look at it as his will for us. So when I'm, you know, in the fall, God said you're going to eat by the sweat of your brow. When I'm out there hoeing uh, a... A row 340 feet long, dripping sweat, I'm happy because I know that I'm in God's will, right? Okay, it's it's his discipline, but it's his will at the same time. And he gave it to us because he wants us to learn something through it, okay? And so as we work to subdue our garden training and disciplining it, bringing it into submission to our dominion for the purpose of fruit. So God is working to subdue our hearts, training and disciplining us, bringing us into submission to his dominion for the purpose of fruit, the peaceful fruit of righteousness.
1: Okay. All right. Let's see. I need to move this. Um, I'm wondering if we could, if you could move like right over here. I want to try and get out of the way of the screen here and still be able to hook up to the projector and hopefully everyone can still see. Um, This might be in your way too, Brent, I don't know because I've got to get close enough to look in here. Let me see. Okay, so first of all, How many of you would like to see really quickly um, what the, the broad fork looked like that we mentioned out there? Alright, let me show you really quickly um, what that looked like. Um, this is a Okay, so what I'm going to show you here, this is a video from inside our our larger home gardening course. Um I mentioned earlier on our on our website borntogrow.net, um don't know if you can see it uh, very well. Um, but it, it goes the width of the bed. They actually have a couple different sizes. So the one that's being used right there isn't the full width of the bed.
0: I think that's a 20-inch one.
1: But you can just kind of stagger back and forth. You'll see it goes to one side and then to the other. They have one that's the full width of the bed. And again, it's just you you put it in. And as you can see, it's very this, this soil has already been um, worked up. It's one of the spaces that... My cousins and I uh, broke the ground in, in the first time, and it was terrible the first time. But as you can see, the soil there now is already so loose, he can simply push it in with one foot all the way down. Um, and it's very simple, and it's very fast to work up a bed um, using, the, using that. It's like 12 inch spacing, yeah. it's pretty in the pathways, yes, that's 12-inch spacing in the pathways, yes. All right. Let's see. Um, let's open up our PowerPoint for this time. All right. So we're talking about cultivating and weed control. Um, if I'm a, if we're in your way too much, you're welcome to welcome to be okay. All right, so weed control. Number one, the first thing is uh, we have a saying called weed cultivate. And so the automatic question is what's the difference between weeding versus cultivating in the garden? Here's how Elliot Coleman puts it. Um, He says, cultivation is the shallow stirring of the surface soil in order to cut off small weeds and prevent the appearance of new ones. Weeding takes place after the weeds are already established. So, remember we were talking about how plants are the most, at their most vulnerable stage when they're just sprouted. We call it the white thread stage, where if you, just, if you take that plant that has just sprouted the first two leaves and you pull it out, it's got this little white thread of a root coming down. And if you just barely... I, I, I want to say, before that, because what happens
0: is a plant germinates, the root goes out first, and then, and then it sends up the shoots. And you can even cultivate when, when you cannot see any green coming up above the ground, um, but, but it's germinated. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, we've had experience doing that. Um, you don't even have to have faith to know that there are weeds in, in that soil.
1: <laughs> and, and we've done it where you, where you cultivate. You don't see anything there, but you cultivate, and all of a sudden you see all these little white... These little white... Yeah. Um,
0: And if you come back in a week, um, it's very clear
1: which area got cultivated and which didn't. So you're coming in, like we said, um, when you barely start seeing them come up, or you can even do it before you start seeing the weeds come up. And they're so vulnerable at that stage that even just the, the shallow movement of the soil around them, the disruptance of that soil... Um, around them will knock them out and um, you can kill a lot of your weeds uh, before you can even see them practically. Um, so that is cultivation. Weeding is when you wait um, and you can't see the picture because it's too bright in here um, but that's, a, that's one of our, uh, our beds that has a ton of weeds in it because it gets away from us too. We're, we're human just like you so we don't always have a perfect garden but um, weeding is when the weeds actually grow and root. And so you practically have to come in and pull them out by hand. Sometimes you have to, I mean, there was one time that same summer that I was doing it with my cousins and my sister where we let one of the hoop houses get so bad that we had to come in with a spading fork and pull out just huge clumps of grass.
0: Well, I, I just wanted to clarify on, the, on getting the weeds at the white thread stage you can know that if you have worked the ground fresh and then it's received water, okay, it's rained or, or you, you watered it, um, you can know that probably in, in two to two and a half weeks, you're going to have weeds. And so you can, if you come in um, about 14 days after, after it was watered, um, whether you can see anything or not you can be fairly sure you're getting those the, those seeds at the
1: white thread stage. So before they even become a problem and, um, and if you wait until the garden starts to look weedy then you've waited too long and this is kind of the trick when it comes to cultivating because it's very natural to look out at a beautiful garden and think, oh, there's nothing that I need to do. But that's the exact time that you actually need to be doing something and going in there. And just, it's really easy and really simple. We'll show you some tools just to stir the the top quarter inch or half inch of the soil. Just stir it um, with, a, with a tool. It, it's very fast and within just minutes a week, if you're consistent with it, you can stay on top of the weeds very easily. You know, the Bible did say that, that, we would eat
0: by the sweat of our brow, but it doesn't hurt to try to reduce that sweat, and you will reduce it significantly if you do this rather than waiting for weeds.
2: Yes.
1: If you've already waited too you still need to go in and take those weeds out somehow. So we'll show you some tools that you can use for taking them out even when they're larger. Um, and like, like my cousins and my sister and I had to do, we actually had to go with one of those spading forks that we used to loosen the ground out there and pull weeds out because they were so large. So it gets more labor intensive the longer you wait. It does.
2: Um, Just keep in mind that
0: as we're talking about weeds here, we've talked about how our hearts are, are compared to soil and and what are weeds. I mean, Seeds in the Bible are our thoughts or ideas. Remember the sower sowed seeds? It was the word of God. But then there was also an enemy who came and sowed tares. And so seeds are, are, are thoughts or ideas. And um, they were getting sown in our minds all the time. And... You know, we we need to if we
2: if you can deal with them at the white bread stage, it's so much easier than waiting for them to become well established. Yeah. So dealing with them right after they germinate, germinate is more economical, efficient, and takes less effort. There is another way. That, well, actually, it's using the same principle, but there is a method called the stale seed bed that can give your plants a huge head start, especially if you're direct seeding into your garden bed. Like, say you want to plant carrots into your garden bed. Carrots are slow to germinate, and often weeds will come up before your carrots even do and get ahead of your carrots. So how can you get your garden bed ready so that your carrots will have a chance? Um, So you can use what we call a stale seed bed method. What you do is you prepare your garden bed one week or more ahead of time. I mean, ideally, if you have the time and you have the forethought ahead, you could prepare it two weeks ahead. Um, But prepare your garden bed one week or more ahead of time, like we did outside, and then water it to encourage the weeds to germinate. So don't plant into it yet, but water it, and then let it sit there for a couple days, and then come back and use a very very shallow cultivation just before planting your crop. Cultivate the top of it. Kill off that first sprouting of weeds that was, that was just gonna come up just before planting your carrots. You can actually, if you, if, if you, for instance, had the forethought and you prepared your bed two weeks ahead, you could do this two times over. You could water it, wait a couple days, cultivate, water again, wait a couple days, cultivate, and then plant your carrots. We, we did this one time with, um, some of our, I think we were actually planting turnips or radishes or something like that. And our our radishes our turnips were as large as a transplant before weeds started to to come up in that bed. So it can be very effective, especially if you're it into the bed, give your plants a huge head start. Um
1: Yeah. So the key is that you want to do it. Um, you want to do it very shallowly, and you want to. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't cultivate like as soon as you plant your carrot seeds. You're not going. You're not going to cultivate until those carrots come up, so that you know where they are. So you're not taking out your own crop when you're cultivating. And then the other thing is that you want to cultivate very shallowly, so that you're not bringing up more seeds from, from deeper down in the soil. Did that answer your question?
0: I, 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 might, really, have, like, I might have missed I want the. To be clear, I think
1: I'm not sure if you
0: caught the the first part. You. Yes. You the stale seed method is is that you you prepare your ground, but you do not plant your seeds. You water the ground and you encourage the weeds to grow, and then you cultivate them. And then after that, you plant. You know, the part before, more, when you're going to scale of things you're cultivating, when your plants are
2: still with the white red. how do you know you're not
0: stirring
2: up those seeds? Oh, stirring no. up. Well, yeah, are you talking about stirring up more weed seeds or the, or the actual crops that you're trying to grow?
1: Mm -hmm. so what you want to do what you want to do is you when you do plant your seeds you're going to have to wait until those seeds come up a significant level so that you can recognize them and actually wait for them to root a little bit deeper before you come in and cultivate next to them yeah yeah all right so then the next question is when do you cultivate Um, Of course, we touched on this already, the smaller the weeds are, the better. You can benefit from cultivating one week after initially clearing the ground. And really, I would suggest making it a habit to go out every week and cultivate your garden, especially in the beginning of the season when you're going to have the most weed. You'll notice the more you cultivate as you go into the season, if you are consistent doing it every week, you'll get to the point where you'll notice that your beds are fairly weed free and you can actually go several weeks before cultivating. Um, the ideal day is to do it on a hot, sunny day so that the weeds get knocked out as soon as they are um, cultivated. The weeds will wilt fast. And there's not much benefit with cultivating right before rain because many of those weeds um, will re-root um, back down into the soil if the soil is wet.
0: I'll just say something else too. Um, it's it's good to cultivate working backwards, because if you, if you cultivate working forward and stepping on on the weeds that you have just cultivated, this is if you're
1: cultivating the aisles.
2: Yeah,
0: that's right. This is for cultivating the aisles. If you if you're working forward and you step on the weeds you just cultivated, you just replanted them. Okay, and and so. <laughs> You'll lose a lot of your work.
1: All right. Another another form of weed control is mulching, and you can do it with uh, wood chip mulch. Uh, many of you have probably heard of the Back to eat in gardening methods. Um, we've heard we have mulched our flower beds with wood chips, um, and you know our flowers have done fine, and, and it's been great. We we and we've actually grown some vegetables in our flower beds as well. And they did. They did fine. We've heard varying reports. Um, I have uh, course members that have tried tried doing it and have had mixed mixed feelings about it. some of it. At all. Uh, some
2: love it. So, if you're going to do it, I would suggest trying out a small space and seeing
1: how it works for you uh, before. Uh, covering your whole garden area with wood chips if you do it you're going to need to put those make those wood chips four to six inches deep it needs to be thick enough to help keep the weeds and you'll still have some weeds come through and you'll have to go in and weed those weeds out by hand now thankfully um the the soil will begin to loosen underneath just because of earthworm activity and stuff and the weeds will be easier to pull out Um, yeah, wood, wood chips
0: will not eliminate weeds, but the weeds that are there come out very easily. Yeah. But if you have a large area, you have to do it by hand, basically. So if you have a large area, that, that can be a disadvantage.
1: The, the number one thing for you to, to think about um, is that you never, ever want to mix those wood chips down into the soil. If they get mixed down into the soil below, then they will easily tie up the nitrogen in the soil and you won't be able to grow your garden then. Uh, you'll have to wait a much longer time for them to break down. It's just the natural decomposition process that happens in nature. So that's something to think about.
2: Okay. Yes?
1: So if you're using wood chips, then you would not prepare the beds like we did out here. Yeah. And you wouldn't use, you wouldn't go and loosen it up each time. Basically what you're relying on is the natural process of the um, life in the soil, primarily earthworms coming in and loosening the soil for you. And they will do that. The soil will loosen um, through, uh, through earthworms and other, um, what would you call them? Other life forms in the soil that, that will loosen the soil for you. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes, that,
1: that, can, that can work well as well. You wouldn't want to do it if it's already gone to seed. But if, it, if they haven't gone to seed, then you could then you could use it and it, it could be beneficial. The flower is okay,
2: just not gone to seed. Exactly,
1: we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it gives your it gives your plants a huge head start. Yeah.
0: I would never recommend growing carrots or radishes or anything direct seeding without doing that.
1: Yeah. Another another way you can mulch is using a straw or hay mulch. Um, what you want to do is get rid of any existing weeds that are there before mulching, and then spread, spread a layer of weed-free straw. Um, you know, you, you want to make sure that your straw is weed-free as, as, as possible, otherwise you're going to have a lot of weeds coming and sprouting as well. Um, and then again, you want it four to six inches deep around your plants. If it's not that thick, then it won't actually have as much effect on the weeds that are coming up from below, and it won't actually be shading them out. <clears throat> so try to till and work the soil in a way that will not continue to bring up weed seeds from the soil's seed bank Like we were talking about outside So just be careful as you're working the soil not to, to turn it and to flip it and bring new seeds up And the other cardinal rule is never let weed go to seed There's a saying that one year seeding is seven years weeding one year seeding is seven years weeding. We have a plant, it's called, a, um, what is it called? The Yeah, amaranth, but the one that's related to it. Pigweed. The pigweed. We have a pigweed plant, or maybe the amaranth is the same, but one plant can have like 30,000 seeds on the one plant. So that can be a lot of weeds that, that you know go to seed. One year seeding is seven years weeding. So at the la- as a last resort, if need be, come in with a weed eater or a mower or something just you know if you can't pull those weeds out right now at least cut the flowers off you know keep them from going to seed because it will it will add a lot more work in the end
0: and and this is this is true not only for your your garden spot itself but for the periphery around it cuz you don't want you don't want seeds getting blown in from from the area around
1: yeah all right, so let's talk a little bit about cultivation tools. Yes, question. What about, uh, what about covering with plastic? Yes, that is that is another method that we have used and that works very well, is covering with plastic. I did have it in here, or you have it on the... Yes, um, I might not have it in the PowerPoint, so thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. W- another thing that you can use is what's called a, a silage tarp. It's like a thick plastic and I, you could probably even use regular tarps um, basically the idea I, i'm not sure if you could cuz i don't I think so. they would let light well, through I read, maybe i read something about use clear plastic because it would go a lot deeper
0: and the clear plastic made a
1: perfect hot house for weeds It was right out for jonathan the black the black and white on the yes and Yes, yes, um, yeah. You you don't want to go with the clear plastic. You can either make a, a weed house like that, or you can heat the soil up so hot that it will kill off the life in the soil as well. So there's two two-edged sword on that one.
0: That is a that is a technique that that farmers use sometimes in certain situations. It's called um,
1: solarization. Solarization,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so you're 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 killing the. Fungi, all the life in the soil. You know, if you have disease issues in your soil, sometimes that's a useful thing to do. And they do usually use clear plastic for yeah. for solarization, and and so I think some people get confused between the two different things because there there is some crossover, but they're not the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the idea with that is that you take this thick plastic. Um, that's black or white or I can share with you my cousin sells it actually um, has black on one side white on the other you put it out over your garden space and you let it sit there for about a month Um, yeah I mean you can let it sit there for longer than that but it just uh, the weeds underneath will sprout and then because they don't have any light they will die and when you pull the, the tarp off, um, the tarp actually encourages your earthworms and other things because it acts like a mulch. And then when you pull the tarp off, um, you'll have a beautiful bed that's weed-free. That's excellent, excellent so way to just
0: w- when, one thing to think about, if you're wanting to, to take that tarp off and then plant, you need to make sure that, that your bed was prepared for planting before you put the tarp on. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to be, when you prepare your bed for planting, you're going to be pulling up new weeds, new weeds to the top, and you just lost all your effort.
1: Yeah. All right. Yes? i go back to the for a second. So the idea is not to wood chips into the ground. I would loosen the ground first first, and then put the wood chips on top. You can just put the wood chips down, and over time the ground will loosen through, um, through the natural processes of earthworms coming in and loosening it, and, and it makes a very nice environment for them to, to thrive. But it will take longer. Yeah? As long as you don't work it into the soil, correct, yes one more question and then. it's perfect for doing over the winter excellent and then it's ready to go in the spring Yeah.
0: and what what I'm doing is I'm I'm um, you know it's it's black on one side and white on the other and there's a s- significant temperature difference which side is up and so I I generally put black side up in the winter so it keeps it warmer underneath and that keeps the life of the soil more active but in the summer I turn it over and put the white up so that it's cooler because it I think it it'll tend to solarize or, or bake the soil if, it, if the black is up so I, I use the white side up in the summer
1: Yeah, yeah alright let's talk a little bit about tools um, I wish you all. I wish you could see the picture, but this is a picture of a regular chopping hoe. It's the regular garden hoe that comes to mind when you think of a hoe in the garden. Um, that, that's the tool most people think about, and it's it's really designed for moving the soil. It's designed for digging, chopping, hilling, mixing concrete, much heavier labor. And you know, you, you pick it up, and the head itself is pretty heavy. It's pretty you know hefty, sturdy. Um, some features of it is it it has a wide blade. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the features just for time wise. Um, but that that is the standard hoe that you think about. We practically never use this hoe for cultivation in the garden. Uh, we use it for mixing up our soil mixes when we're, we're starting our transplants or something like that. You know, it's, it's great. We use it for hoeing our potatoes, uh, hilling our potatoes, I should say. It's used for moving dirt, not for the fine art of cultivation. Um, what, one of our favorite tools that we use for cultivating is called a collinear hoe. Um, It's also known as a cultivating hoe, and it's a lightweight, precise tool designed for shallow cultivation. It's kind of hard to see in the picture here, but this this is the shaft coming up. That's easy to see. But the blade of this cultivating tool is about that wide going across. So it's very thin, and that's about how wide it is in real life. It's that wide, and it's very thin, and it's very lightweight. I'll show you a video in a minute of um, of us using it so you can have a visual of how how we use it and hopefully I mean hopefully it shows up on the screen
0: so this this is the perfect tool for for getting things at the white thread stage your Your soil is loose and and you can just run it around um, through the the very surface layer of, of your soil. Um, without breaking a sweat. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, um,
0: it, it's a it's very very nice and very fun tool to
1: use. You use it practically like you would, you hold it, and you use it like you would sweep your house, like you're sweeping your house. And it feels, it feels similar. Um, you're just basically sweeping the top little quarter inch of the soil. Yes. It's a little bit like the stirrup hoe. In fact, the stirrup hoe is the next one um, on our list here. Um, here's a picture of the stirrup hoe. And it's used to do the same thing, just stir the top, top of the soil. Um, a stirrup hoe is called a stirrup hoe because it looks like a stirrup. Um, it comes down in like a U-shape and it kind of oscillates on the end, if, you, if any of you all have seen them or used them before. Uh, the blade is very thin, again, and it's most effective to use this tool when your crop is small or has only vertical leaves so that those vertical supports don't damage the crop leaves. Because if you come in later, like if your kale is larger and you come in with a stirrup hoe, because it has that stirrup shape edges of it can come and, and, and hit your leaves and knock your leaves off your plants. You have to look to move when your plants are small.
0: So the the collinear hoe, because it's just a narrow shaft with a blade coming out like this, is is easier to work under the leaves of things. So yeah. it's easier to use that one under your plants.
1: Yeah. And you can get stirrup hose in different sizes. You can get, you know, um, Seven inch ones, five inch ones, and even larger ones. Yeah, I
0: just want to, one other thing about comparing these two hoes. The, the collinear hoe, the, the soil needs to be loose. And, and the, the collinear hoe is a lightweight tool, so you cannot use, use it for any rooted weeds. You know, you'll break it. But for, for the heavier weeds, the stirrup hoe is better. And it, it works well on, on the heavier weeds, yeah, the older ones.
1: Yeah. Now, one thing that you want to consider uh, when you're working with these hoes is the collinear hoe and the stirrup hoe are not meant, they're meant for a specific purpose, and that is shallowly cultivating the top quarter inch of the soil. They're not meant for digging with. They're not meant for moving soil width. So at times, you might to a rock or something and you have the temptation to take the collinear hoe and just kind of give it a little jab to pull the rock out, they're not meant for that. Um, and they they can break. I mean they're a thinner blade and they can break. They they're sturdy um, at least the ones from Johnny's seeds are very well built and they're sturdy for for what they are. But for the job they're created for but you know if you go outside of that you will risk Um, hurting your tool. So here, when it comes to actually cultivating, the technique is to skim, not chop. Uh, You want to position, hold the hoe like you would a broom or a rake, like we were talking about earlier. And the motion is in a similar motion as sweeping. I'll show you a little video here. Of um, This video is from our... Home gardening course where we go into a lot more detail um, and show visual demonstrations of the different um, different things that we do. So as you can see, this is my brother-in-law David um, and he's using. It's kind of hard because of the lighting, but he's used it to see. But he's using a, a collinear hoe right now in the video. And as you can see, the the nice thing about it is it's designed in a way that you can stand straight up. So you don't need to hurt your back while you're doing this. You can stand straight up. You hold it with both thumbs up and basically sweep um, like you would be sweeping a room. So he's cultivating some of our tomatoes there. And it's very quick. It's very easy. Um, The one thing that you'll learn over time is how wide your collinear hoe is because most of the time it's under the soil, and so you kind of have to judge how close to get to the plants um, without hitting the plants. There you can see a little closer up, um, and you can see we're not moving lots of amount of soil. It's just barely skimming the top of it, and that's exactly what you want to be doing in your garden. And the other thing that you'll notice is there isn't a lot of weeds showing there, and that's the time that you want to come in when you don't have a lot of weeds showing. You might just have barely a few just peeking out. Um, we'll jump ahead here. And this is the stirrup hoe. You can see it oscillates a little bit. And it's basically the same thing. Now, the stirrup hoe, you do have to use it more in a... Um, you'll see you are bent over more. You're using it more as you would like a regular hoe. But again, you're doing it gently. You're not, you're not beating the soil with it. And then the the last one here is called a wheel hoe, and basically what it is is it's a very large stirrup hoe with a wheel on it. And this is these are highly effective for cultivating your aisles, um, your pathways. They are they are a little pricey. But if you have the means, I would definitely suggest investing in one. They're also very effective with working with larger weeds. So you were talking about earlier, how do you get larger weeds out? Um, these tools, even the stirrup hose, um, are can be effective with uh, with larger weeds, and basically they just chop them off down at the root level. Um, so, and when you're <clears throat> When you're using the, the wheel hoe, it's basically just a, you kind of get into a swing. It's like a swing motion. You go forward and then back, forward and then back, um, at like you can see David doing inside the, in the video there. And it's a great workout. I mean, if you've got 100 feet to go, it's a, it really works out your, your upper arms and your shoulders. You really start, start feeling it after a while.
0: I really enjoy using the wheel hoe.
1: <laughs> it, it is, it is really fun. So hopefully that hopefully that just gave you a a bit more of a mental picture of exactly how how it's used. Yes? Question. We go through and we get, we rake them up. We gather them up. Now the large ones. Now when you're talking about the little thread stage, the barely ones, we just leave them there, and they just they die and wilt, and and they're so small that decompose really fast.
0: Yeah. The thing about the large weeds is that nothing alive wants to die and and if if you leave your your large weeds out there and it rains on them the ones that happen to have roots in in contact with the surface they're going to re-root
1: if you are going to use wood chips um most people use them for the whole thing their their aisles their beds everything that's the way most people do it um, otherwise, if you're, if you're going back and forth from wood chips to dirt to wood chips, um, you will end up, it, it's, it's easier to end up mixing those wood chips into the soil. If you're trying to work the dirt in between and the wood chips are, you know, you want at least four to six inches thick. And so it is quite a large difference. So those are some things to,
0: what, one thing there, there's one, um, uh, well-known mm-hmm. gardener, who has been experimenting with wood chips in his aisles, not in the beds, but in the aisles. And um, he's found them to be effective there. And he'll let them stay in the aisle for, for at least two years. And then he'll, he'll throw them up on his bed. And he, he doesn't mind working them in after two years of just kind of rotting and composting in the aisle. So that's another way to get organic matter up on the bed.
1: Something to keep in mind with wood chips is that you will need to replenish them because they will be breaking down. So you need a good source for them. Um, so each year, you'll probably need to put a few more on. Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah, Yeah. we can do that. All right, let's go ahead here. Um, I talked about the, the features of the wheel hoe. Um, you can get different sizes of them. Uh, you all can look into that. Here are a couple important tool features when it comes to cultivating that will save you a lot of, um, a lot of energy and effort. Number one is the edge. A dull hoe blade increases the work and lessens efficiency. So you, you want to keep your hose sharp. And this is something that we haven't even been as good at as we should, but you you want to just take a file and keep your keep your like your collinear hoe sharp. And it will be much more efficient when you're cultivating. Uh, A moderately dull blade will approximately decrease efficiency by 50%. Uh, It's necessary to sharpen the hoe blade regularly. The second one here is weight. On average, using cultivating hoe, or the collinear hoe, that's that thin, small one, requires some 2,000 strokes in an hour if you were using it for an hour. Um, the real hoe is about 50 push-pull strokes a minute uh, and reversing direction of the tool each row. So the weight of your tool makes a difference when you're you're using it 2,000 times. So the lighter, the better. If your tool weighs more than is necessary, it will cause you unnecessary expenditure of energy. The ideal weight of hoe for... Like a collinear hoe, a cultivating hoe, would be no more than a couple pounds. Um, they're very light, very efficient to use. A wheel hoe, you would want, you would want to stay under fifteen pounds if possible. And this is where there are different companies that sell different uh, varieties, makes of wheel hoes and and these different hoes. And that's where when you're doing your research, you know, it's a wheel hoe that. Has metal handles and blades, uh, then you're looking at possibly a lot more weight to do it. But if it has a wooden handle, then it's probably going to be lighter. So those are some th- simple things to keep in mind.
0: We we have some um, some resource uh, a resource paper we're going to hand out to you that that gives for for each of these tools um, different places that you can buy them. Yeah.
1: Okay, so the um, last, last little section here, just a quick review of the benefits of cultivation. It takes less time and energy. And uh, when you take care of the weeds before they even grow. So the key is remember to go out when it doesn't look weedy. I know it's counterintuitive. And that's what I think keeps people from experiencing the joy of having a weed free garden. But you need to put it into your schedule. Make a reminder on your iPhone, your cell phone, something to remind you to go out and cultivate every week. If It doesn't look like it needs it. By preventing weeds from going to seed, you'll have less weed seeds to deal with next year. You can actually get to the point where your garden practically is weed-free. In fact, Elliot Coleman says that his farm is practically weed-free. And we have a, a greenhouse that got to the point where it was practically between, we pretty much didn't even have to worry about it. Every once in a while, we'd see a little stray weed coming up. So it is possible, the, the key is consistency.
0: You, you, over time, it will take you, I would say, probably at least six years or seven years to, to pretty much get rid of the, the weeds the weed seeds that are in your weed seed bank. And you you have to sprout them, basically. That's how you get rid of them. But if if you are consistent for for that period of time in not allowing any weeds to go to seed, um, that's when you'll start to
1: reap the benefits. And just as an encouragement, you'll see a huge difference even in the first year. So it's not like you've got seven years of intense weeding and then all of a sudden your garden is going to be weed-free. You'll see a huge difference in the first year, it will be a lot less work the second year, and it will continue to drop.
0: Then after that, the, the only weeds you'll need to contend with are those that get blown in or carried in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. All right. Um, cultivating is made easier by using a transplanting system, uh, mainly because the trans- have a head start on the weeds like the question was earlier you know if you're cultivating how do you know that you're not cultivating out the seeds that you planted Um, transplanting gives you a huge head start on them and it's very defined where to where to cultivate Um,
0: I, i would you know some people were wondering about keeping things evenly spaced and straight this is one place where it comes in um it makes it cultivating a lot easier if your plants are in a straight row yeah. If they're kind of zigzaggy, then you, it takes more effort and mental effort as well as the physical effort to you know, figure out ways to get around them.
1: Yeah. So, those are some of the benefits of cultivation, the tools that we use that will save you a lot of energy and effort if you're consistent with them. And you can keep your garden weed free literally in just five minutes, five minutes a week, depending on how big your garden is. It can go very fast, and you'll get more and more efficient at it as you go. Um, I'm just gonna pull up the slide for the stale seed bed method um, and we'll go over it real quick Um, the stale seed bed method is you want to prepare your garden bed at least a week in advance you can prepare even more than that but you prepare the garden bed then you water it don't plant anything don't plant what you want to plant basically what you're doing is you're trying to grow the weeds then after wait a couple days until maybe you even see a couple weeds coming up and then go in and cultivate the top of the soil like we just showed um, with the tools. And then you can plant your seeds after cultivating. Um, you can even do that a couple times. You could cultivate and then water and then wait for them to grow again and then cultivate. Um, you can do it however many times you want and the more times you do it, the less weeds that will be there when you plant your carrots. Or you can use newly cut wood chips um, on your, um, sorry, on your on your beds, um, the main thing is you don't want to mix them into the soil.
0: We we did that when we first started. We put them on our flower beds, and we put them on in the spring, and we did not see really any difference in in our flowers that year. the the, the main difference that the main benefit we had and the main difference we saw was that we didn't need to water them. Because the the woodchips conserve moisture, but the next year these were perennials, and the next year like um, uh, gladiolas and uh, a, a number of different perennial flowers. Anyways, the the next year they were much bigger than they had been before, mm-hmm. and what I think happens is that the you know we talked about how on. In nature, like on the forest floor, you have organic matter, you know, dead, dead material on the surface. And as you work your way down, it's decomposing more and more. And so those fresh wood chips have to, they need about a year to establish that, that pattern. And then you'll, you'll want to keep adding new wood chips on top and letting the, the ones underneath decompose as they're doing.